Hey, I want to talk to you about a very special podcast that is going into its second season, Veronica Mars Investigates. Their second season is going to premiere on March 24th, and a little bit about Veronica Mars Investigates. It is a very, very cool recap podcast, and if you like very, very cool recap podcasts like this one, you're probably going to like that one. It's hosted by Jenny Owen Youngs from the hit Buffy recap podcast, Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and Helen Zaltzman from the award-winning entertainment podcasts, The Illusionists, and Answer Me This. They are podcast royalty, and they have come together to create this show about the Veronica Mars television show. And if you haven't watched Veronica Mars television show, it is a teen comedy drama thriller noir. You can hear the first season of Veronica Mars Investigates now on all the podcast places and at vmipod.com. But season two, March 24th, get ready. You'll enjoy it. Our black sons move erratically like drunken bees, and each of them stings. Now more than ever, we are full of blood and honey. Good morning, Night Vale. What's up, everybody? It's me, your pal, Hal Lublin. And it's me, your friendling, Symphony Sanders. And it's me, your gal-ling, Meg Bashwinner. <laughs> How you doing? Thanks for joining us today on Good Morning Night Vale. Good Morning Night Vale is that show that you're listening to right now where you listen to some people who work on the podcast, Welcome to Night Vale, talk about old episodes and feel things. And that's where we're here. That's right. Feel things deeply. Today we're feeling things about episode 29, Subway. And here's the description. An entire subway system appears suddenly in Night Vale, and the city council is excited by the possibilities. Plus tips for organ donors, a look into financial news, and a popular new service in town. People, what do we think? Just from the jump of the words from the cold open, blood and honey, it's such a Night Vale thing. It's like so Night Valley and it's like blood and honey. It's like this and that gross you're full and of horrifying it. thing. And it's also sweet and lovely and comes from bees. It just feels very, <laughs> very Night Valian yes. to have that cold open. Um, yeah. And this is the one that was uh, co-written with uh, Russell Swenson. Oh, yes. Russell. Who's a poet. Um, and did I he know it? That. I think he was aware. He, I believe he has his MFA in poetry. So <laughs> they make you know it when you do that. Sure. That's awesome. So let's talk about the subway. You know, guys, I, every time they say subway, I think of subway sandwiches, not the subway like the train. It's because your trains are called the L's. But we, I mean, <laughs> I, we do call the under the, the red line underground. We call that a subway, but like. But yes, I yes, we do have the L, the elevated trains here in Chicago. Uh, but yeah, it, it, I thought of Subway and then the Subway sandwiches, and then I was kind of hungry uh, just because they pump that bread air out into the into the ether so that you get enticed. But it's never. But it as, smells so bad. No, I kind of like the way yeah. it smells. But you it's like ne- the way Subway smells. I like the way that the the smell that they pump outside. But like, it's never as good as it smells. Like it smells, it smells better than it actually tastes. Symphony, you've smelled delicious bread baking yeah. many times in your life. <laughs> yeah, that's not the same reaction you have when you smell Subway, and you know it. 
I think it's like it's like an in, I've been indoctrinated to like it. Yeah. Wait a second, Symphony. Do you enjoy a yes. sandwich from Subway? No. Oh well, then what the fuck are we talking about here? Because I was gonna say if you like the sandwich, I prefer pot bellies. Oh, we we don't have pot bellies out here or anywhere. I don't really? think no. I've only seen it. Yeah, it's a Chicago thing, right? It's it's all it's all over now. Is it all over? Yeah, I think so. I feel like they have they definitely have it in New York. Right. Oh, you they must not be in LA though. They haven't made it out here yet. <laughs> like, ew, carbs. <laughs> Listen, we just got Dunkin' Donuts. Give us time. Wait, really? In the last few years, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Game changer. Game changer for this guy. I mean, Dunkin' Donuts isn't that good either, but uh Wait, what the what? What are you doing? I don't really like donuts. What? Joseph doesn't like donuts because you guys are the same food people. We are very similar food people, except I like fish and he doesn't. But donuts are great. Kind of. They, I, I just, I'm not a big sweetie, you know? I'm a salty Yes, you cr- are. Oh, mush. Um, <laughs> I am a, I'm a salty crunchy. Okay. I like, I like fries and pizza and Italian beef. Me too. You know, but I'm not, I, I'm not a big sweet person. I- I, I will have like a little bit of sweet and then I'm like, okay, that's enough. You know, I know people that will, will eat, they're like, if it's in my, if it's here, I'm going to eat the whole chocolate or all the candy or like whatever. I'm not, I'm like, mm, I just want like a taste and like, that's enough. Although we did go get those donuts for my birthday while we were on tour in Maine. Those potato, potato donuts. Yeah. Those, those were good. Cause they were savory, a little bit savory. They had a savory element to them sort of. We got up like at 7.15 to go get donuts before our, like, 7.45 call. <laughs> it was worth it. It was worth it. Yeah. It was the last day of tour. The last day of tour, you can get anyone to agree to do anything. <laughs> like, it's the last day of tour. Do you guys want to get them at 4.30 in the morning and drive to the ocean? They're like, yeah, sure, it's the last day. Whatever. <laughs> no regrets. No regrets. <laughs> yeah, after after this day's over, I get to just, like, go I get to put my head in a microwave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this episode, in listening to this, I came up with what I think is my greatest and most correct theory yet. Oh, tell us about it, Hal. I believe that Night Vale is either one of the circles of hell or a limbo in between life and death. You know what? People have said that before. But, like, yes, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I I, hear and it. I, it, it occurred, I, like, I had this thought this morning. I was listening to the episode, and I was like, I was like, this is it. I think I figured it out. And then I also immediately realized I am the five millionth person to have this idea. (laughs) But everything is – death is everywhere. But people seem used to it. Everything seems circular in that you're you're constantly caught in a loop, sort of like the finale – the real finale of Twin Peaks, not counting the current – the one that that aired years ago when the doppelganger is chasing – uh, Dale Cooper through the 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 Black Lodge, and they're just going right. room to room, and you, you get the sense that they could be running that loop forever. And I'm sure if David Lynch had his way, it would have been 900 hours of them running from from the bottom left corner to the top right corner of the screen through those right. uh, through those curtains. And you know what we can? I think next week we'll confirm, or or next episode we'll confirm this theory. Even more, just that idea of there's really no escape. Everything is just is either a loop that you're in or a circular, like a figure eight track where 
you're constantly trapped somewhere. Time has no meaning. It's infinity. It's infinity, but not beyond. Wow. But it's not nihilistic. You know, like time doesn't matter and death doesn't matter, but other things still really matter. You know, like it still matters to Cecil about Carlos and it still, yeah, it still matters to, to Steve about what is what, Abby is, is Steve's wife's name and uh, Janice. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, the people like the, those relationships still matter to people, even though time isn't, you know, time is forever and not at all. And so, yeah, there is that like there is that glue that, that, that stops things from completely spinning out is like the relationships and the, the sense of community. Yes. I don't know if the, anybody knows. I think very few people know that if, if this if this theory holds true, I don't think many people know it's hell. Or whatever okay. stage of the afterlife, I think there are very few. I think, I think Steve is has figured it out because he sees the signs in the sky that tell him that that's where they are, and that's why he's so protective and untrusting of these the city council and the hooded figure, all these people who are really there to corral you and keep you in place because you're either not ready or not supposed to move on to one place or the other. Yeah, I think the faceless old woman knows too. Yes. Maybe that is a kind of like doubled down on because of those hollow-eyed children. That shit freaks me out. Like mm-hmm. the it's like basically like children of the corn style, you know. I think of them as like mostly toe-headed, you know, and they're like all <laughs> hollow-eyed and shit. You know? Yes. It's like so yeah, scary. I mean, I picture them that way too and like a little bit dirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And but most of them have bowl haircuts. Sure. Yeah, I mean th- that's the only thing that's precise is that they're dirty. <laughs> but someone put someone put a uniform bowl on their head and sat them on a kitchen chair and just cut around that bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I had a I had a bowl cut when I was a kid. Oh hell! Was it cut with a bowl or did you get it done like at a a supercuts? <laughs> I think it was like 1981, 82, and that was something you would go in and request a professional person who cuts hair to do to your head, or your parent would. With a Flobie? No, no Flobie. No flo- this was 82. I don't think the Flobie was around yet. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I guess that was like late 80s, early 90s, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would, my mother would take me to get my hair cut at Kaplan's in the Roosevelt Mall, oh, and that's... I had no I, – I liked it there because they had a slide, although it was the, the lowest slide on earth. So basically you were like dropping down two feet on a slide <laughs> and no say in what my haircut was at all. And the result is – and there's a picture of me that was like a, a school photograph where I'm like holding a puzzle. One, I'm holding a puzzle piece, like the last piece of a puzzle and looking up into the sky. The other – That sounds creepy. I'm on the phone. Yeah. The Wait. one where I'm on the phone is the weird one. Because <laughs> I've got like a white shirt and like a vest on I think. Were you taking a business call? I must have been taking it, but I was a very important businessman in that age. Hello, Hal Lublin, director of marketing. <laughs> Toehead Industries, how can I help you? <laughs> um, did you guys notice the intern, the intern Dylan? Yeah. I thought immediately of Dylan Marin, obviously. Sure. Not Dylan Marin, uh, <laughs> the intern. No. And is he seen again? Yes. Okay, because they didn't say he didn't say like to the family of you know what I mean. So, 
returns and he's lost weight and like a port like his soul is gone. Like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. One his, of the children who returns, whose DNA gets scrambled or yeah. cleaned out or like crispered or whatever. <laughs> crispered, crispered, <laughs> like put in the crisper. No, <laughs> no. Uh, the crisper is the thing where you can edit DNA. Wait, what is what? I listen. Yeah. I am a theater person who watches too much television. I can't explain CRISPR, but it's like I know that it's a thing you can use to edit DNA. Which basically, it's like scissor taking scissors to your DNA, and you can cut and paste. Um, scissoring, yeah. scissoring. Yeah, it's scissoring. They just um, yeah. they had they just had some babies in in China that were CRISPR babies, right? And they had their their DNA was edited to have them be. HIV resistant, and there was another thing too that that they got an, a, a gene. Wait, did it work? Well, I, I don't know. I know that they had the the kids, they had the babies, but I don't know. Like, I mean, yeah, obviously, I don't know. Listen, not a scientist. Again, simple. <laughs> there's a actually, there's a couple of words in this episode that I was like, I don't know what that means, so I had to look them up. One was Icker. Like where he says the um, you'll hear the wind chimes like shattering, the sun will dri- drip icker. I didn't know what the hell that was, and I just wrote WTF next to it. <laughs> what does it mean? Because I, I don't know what it means either. I I don't I, I put it on my list of. Oh, you put it. Oh, okay. I thought you had looked it up. Meg, do you know? I did not. I'm gonna look it up in a second. I think Meg's looking it up right now. I'm not looking it up right now. Saw. I'm looking to find oh. it so I can use a context clue. Once I see you in profile, I know you're doing something. I C H O R. I can't type on my phone right now because my nails are a little too long. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me see you try. Oh, yeah. You're almost. I'm literally like this, like one of those ladies. I'm not doing it with my knuckles. Okay. So, Icker, the fluid that flows like blood in what? A blood like fluid. That's gross. I was going to go with a wax like fluid because of Icarus. That's yeah. As far as I got. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. That makes sense. Uh, the other one was solipsistic, which I'm going to look up. But That's see, a again, word that I've heard used a lot. But isn't I don't it like, think I can isn't that like, it. A, like laziness? <laughs> like not like sedentary, I think? Uh, I don't know. I'm probably wrong. Hold on. I'm looking it up. Please welcome yourselves to the SAT prep podcast. <laughs> oh, it's uh, it's selfishness. It's the viewer theory that the self is all that can be known to exist. So Symphony Sanders is solipsistic. So the only thing that you know for sure if you're solipsistic is is that you exist and you know that your mind exists. Nothing else is. I don't believe in Beatles. I just believe in me. That's kind of scary. That's a little <laughs> scary, though, too. Like, would, uh, like, I think that would make me feel like my reality was unraveling. You're like, the only thing I know is real is me. And then, like, you're, you'd be super suspicious of everything else, no? Right. Well, there's that, there's that philosophical thing that I cannot remember the name of that would say, all right, let's say I tell you what buffalo wings taste like to me. And you, okay. you, you would describe it. You know, I ask you that question. You describe it using the exact same words. You say it's, uh, it's spicy, it's buttery, um, it's you know, it's meaty or whatever. I have no way of determining that spicy for you means the same thing as spicy for me. What I think is spicy, you could think is chocolatey. That, there's no way to, for me to prove it from a philosophical standpoint. Who is who's Phil? Who's Phil? Doctor Phil. I love that's how you explained it. 
that you use chicken wings. It's just so revealing about who we all are. Because normally when I hear people, I, I've heard people explain that before. They're like, it's a color. It's like, I say it's red and yeah. you say it's red, but it could not be the same red. But you're like, so it's like buffalo wings. Yeah, I really want buffalo wings And I wings say they're right crunchy. <laughs> they're crunchy and warm and spicy and salty. We had, we recorded, we're doing like, we're doing two episodes tonight. This is the middle of the three things we recorded. We recorded an interview. We're doing this episode. We're doing another episode. And I came right home and rushed upstairs. I was still late. And I'm sitting here. I ate a thing of pretzel nuggets right before we started recording. I'm just hungry. And I'm looking. I'm like like an animal. I'm looking at my kitchen right now trying to think of what I'm going to eat after this. Not a Subway sandwich. No, I'm not going to Subway. I refuse to eat fresh. I refuse. You cannot make me. Let's get back to the episode. What do you say? Because there's this whole bit about cannibalism. So. Oh, yeah. but And they keep, like, weirdly denying that people are eating each other. That They're like, no one is eating each other. And you're like, why would you even need to say that, secret police? Um, <laughs> but the, the thing about consensual cannibalism fucking freaks me out. Because that's a real thing. And people have got, I mean, because it's not technically illegal, right? Right. But, like. It's weird and terrible. Have you guys seen that? Uh, there's a show called uh, Room 108 on uh, Room 104 on HBO. Yeah, yeah. And there's mm-hmm. an episode where these guys eat each other's wings. Spoilers. I haven't gotten there yet. Sorry. It's like, sorry. I'm going it, but, there next. <laughs> but it's totally messed up. And the police come in and they're like, and the guys are like, well, it's not technically legal. And I looked up, it isn't. But that's messed up. Only in Idaho. Oh, in Idaho? Idaho is the only U.S. state where cannibalism is defined as an illegal act. Is it because they had one too many and had to make a law? Yeah, just one too many. (laughs) They're like, all right, that's it. Steve, we got to make this illegal. We told you to knock it off. For for this episode, because there was the cannibalism bit and then there was the organ donation bit, I was like, that's what they're doing to them in the subway. They're taking the people and eating their organs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, and then also um, the thing about the The feelings delivery. I love that. That kind of freaked me out because all the feelings are really weird, like blood feud. Yep. And frustrated origami novice. Been there. Yep. Same. (laughs) The one that I really related to is should have left the party hours ago before I could disappoint her. Yes. (laughs) Oh, you didn't didn't relate to Trampled by Horses? No. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I've only been trampled by a horse like – Six to eleven times, and wait, what? You, that should be zero times. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It should be, but <laughs> wait, what happened the first? Wait, I actually I want to hear about the second time. I don't remember them chronologically. I remember th- I, I have fallen off of a horse many times. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I've fall. I've gotten back up one more time though. So yeah. There's that, but yeah, I've definitely uh, fallen off a horse before and ended up not on, not not near their feet. I've also like also just you get stepped on, like when you're, especially when you're a kid, when you're eight years old and you're really small and you're like in charge of horses, like you're gonna get you, you get stepped on. That's why you wear closed-toed shoes. Yeah, no flip flops on a horse. When you no. say you trampled, I don't think like, oh, a horse stepped on my foot and was like, oh, excuse me. I th- I think like <laughs> I fell over and it did dressage on my back and head. <laughs> it did the fancy prance. It's yeah, just like, it was doing the dressage. It was like, yeah. I mean, they they do teach you 
it kind of, they don't teach you how to fall off horses because they don't want you to fall off horses, but they do teach you that if you are falling off a horse, you need to get away from their feet. Right. <laughs> so. Did you fall because it threw you? I've been thrown. Sometimes you just, like, you lose your balance. They, they're not cars. Like, they're they're not moving <laughs> at a prescri- like prescribed thing. Like, they'll just, sometimes they stop or they, they bounce in a different way that you're not ready for because, you know, you're eight and you're not that well trained and you don't have, like, great core strength. Um, and you just bounce off. Sometimes they stop. Sometimes the rhythm, their rhythm gets different or they move, they, they turn. Like, it's not like a, you try to do your best, but they're moving. They turn on you. They turn on you. Yeah. And it's like anything you're learning how to do. <clears throat> when you first learn how to do stuff, you're bad at it. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I guess you're right. Just the trampling. I don't know how I feel about that. But I do like that, um, going back to the feelings, that uh, you don't have you don't have to worry about choosing which feeling or why or when. It just like delivers feelings to you regardless do you think it do they get delivered to you in a box or do you think they just go inside your body like immediately i think you inhale it okay like a like you get have like a little atomizer it's like squeeze squeeze spray delay and walk away and then all of a sudden you have new feelings <laughs> i think you vape it <laughs> yes. vape it. creepy look at those people just vaping their feelings <laughs> Doing vape tricks yeah. with their feelings. Um, <laughs> I also was thinking about. I, I underlined here the thing about uh, Lauren James about her. They like we're talking about. Uh, Cecil was talking about. He doesn't like her bangs. Like her bangs are bad. Right. She needed a bowl cut. They just don't work. Yeah. Maybe yeah. she needs a bowl cut too. Bangs all around. Have you ever had? Have you ever had bad bangs? Yes. Yes. <laughs> One time I got bangs and Joseph didn't recognize me <laughs> for my audi- for my audition for the New York Neo Futurists. I uh, during my audition I had an audience member cut off like ten inches of my hair. Um, what? Yeah, you got to go big. So after that, I had to get like a real haircut to get me, you know, get that fixed up because that you know doesn't yield the best results. And uh, so I got a haircut, and I was like, let me get bangs. That'll help fix some of this. Um, <laughs> Did it or no? Maybe I wasn't. I don't think. It was a bad haircut because it was tr- it was fixing a bad haircut, so maybe it wasn't the bangs' fault. But anyway, after I got the haircut, I was waiting in a restaurant for Joseph to come, and he walks into the restaurant, and he looks around, and he looks around, and he looks directly at me and just keeps going. And I'm, like, in the background waving, and he's still not getting it. <laughs> and then... <laughs> We had been dating at this point for like three years. Oh. <laughs> I was like, it's just bangs. It's still me. You're fine. Did You're you have okay? Groucho glasses on too? Because that might have thrown him off. <laughs> uh, the, ro- the roaches are gross. I was just going to freaking talk about those nasty ass roaches. I don't care what they say. I would have stepped on them. I, when I was in Israel, humble brag. <laughs> just, sorry, regular brag. When I was in Israel... As a teenager, we were staying in like a kibbutz, and they warned us when we got there that they had like there are giant there are giant roaches here. You would find giant roaches, and we were like, okay, whatever. We see a roach. This thing was like that big. I'm holding up a can How of is light lemonade. Up a soda can. It was maybe a little small, maybe more like a giant salt and pepper shaker. That's disgusting. We chased that thing down. And killed it using a hairspray and a lighter. 
Oh, it's so uh, fucked up. That's a blowtorch for tr- Yeah, it's we made a blowtorch. Come on. If you see that thing, you are not going to get a bug vacuum and get rid of it. By the way, this is the 90s. Things were different back then. It's true. Things were different back then. When I saw that thing, I was like, that has to go. I'm not interested. I'm not trying to have vermin up in my life. Go live peacefully elsewhere. Cockroaches are tough. Yeah, that's fucking nasty. I mean, you know, in New York, they, you know, everybody's like, oh, everybody has roaches in New York. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Uh, like whatever, but like I find them horrible and disgusting. And I, we've talked about this. Like, if there's a bug in my general vicinity, you better watch out. Like, don't. I, I not. I don't care if it's alive. Yeah. I'm sorry. I I'm a murderer when it comes to um, disgusting insects like that. Yeah, roaches. Yeah, roaches are definitely tough. I was I was I was really happy when I moved out of the city. I was like, "Yay, no more roaches!" And then I was like, "Oh no, now there's just like ten thousand other different things that are in your house that you don't want in there." Um, yeah, but there was a uh, this one time Joseph and I we were like in we we're in our apartment and there was this huge. It was like always like when the weather would change that you would get them like when it would get hot or cold they'd come inside and it was like right. the first real hot day and it. Um, we like were in our apartment. And there was this huge one. It wasn't like the size of a soda can, but it was probably like I don't know, the size of a chapstick, uh, which is big when it's a bug. And um, it uh, was like flying around, and we were trying to get it. And we were trying to get it, and it landed on this figurine of a kashik that we have, and it has like a it's a little tiny figurine that's a purple cat that's got a night veil eye painted on it and the cockroach like landed on top of it and kind of started humping it a little bit Ew. Like, it's humping the cat it's it's humping the gosh <laughs> <laughs> gotta get it out of here <laughs> that's disgusting so gross um, but at least it, it wasn't like advertising anything i find that to be ineffective advertising you can't put advertising on a cockroach and then be like oh okay that's fine like that's a a great way to market your product or whatever. Like that's terrible. Well, yeah. Well, it's the, the deer mask transit people who are perhaps uh, a thousand cockroaches packed inside a business suit like Egger, which is also upsetting Egger. He just wants sugar water. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's in an Egger, Egger suit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> One of the things that I really liked about this uh, episode is when they're talking about how the subway builds a community of people because it's like everyone's in it together, which mm-hmm. is yeah. something that I always found interesting when I would take the subway a lot was that it is it is everyone commuting together in one thing. So you're, you're all experiencing a similar thing while you're in your own world and trying to get somewhere. Like there, this and the subway is a horrible place in New York City, and it is broken and terrible and does not work good, and it is a place that will harm you and scar you. But also, we're all together in that. Um, one time, I was on the subway, and uh, it, it had—I was in the first car, and it just stopped abruptly, like really shy of the station. And it was really hot. And they turned, they cut the power to the tracks, they cut the power to the train, and we were like, "This sucks." And then after like forty minutes, they came over the thing, and they were like, "Yeah, there's a passenger um, on the tracks." And I was like, "Oh no, there was a passenger on the tracks." Um, oh, oh, so Lord. they like were like we got to like we were just shy of the station, so they were like uh, everyone is in the first car. You need to get out of the first car and go to the second car. And so they like moved all of us back. 
Um, and people were like freaking out. It was also like a Friday night. I was like going into the city and people were like drunk and ready to party. And then there were also people who were like going home from work. And, and there were also people who were just like people and people started to have panic attacks. There were, it was just like this whole community dealing with this horrible thing. Yeah. And everyone like kind of just like, everyone, I, we're trying to like help each other and communicate with each other and just like be there for each other while this was happening. And I was just sitting there and I had like, you're, this is before there was phone service on the train. So you couldn't like let people know where you were. Right. Um, and so, and you couldn't be on the internet at all. And like, I didn't even bring a book with me because I was just like running somewhere. And so I just like, all I had with me was my like little purse and a tiny flask of whiskey so I just started drinking and I started drinking with the guy next to me. And so I just like was sharing shots of whiskey with this dude who was sitting next to me on the train while we waited for like an hour and a half for like the ambulance and the cops to like come and pull this body off the like off the tracks and then, you know, pull the train into the station without the power. And it was. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, my God. That's so terrible. New York, New York. Yeah, there's a, I I have a telling of a more a more graphic version of that, but I will uh, spare all. You were going to save it. Well, I, you know, I in another since I live in another city with a uh, subway system or elevated train system, I I mean I've had experiences like that too, and they always call them um, pedestrian incidents. They that's what they call it sometimes, and you're like, uh, yikes, another one. But I once was on a train. And we were like, un- like going underneath um, on the red line, and they, this guy, he was like sitting kind of cat, like kitty corner to me, and he was just looking really like pale, like a little gray, and like I just thought he was like wasted, you know, like you do. And he all of a sudden started having a seizure, and you know, me and like another guy that was sitting right there, like were able to, like, we were just like, oh my God, what the hell? And then we got over there to him. But like, it does bring you together when there's an emergency on the train like that. You know, we all like got him like down to the ground. You know, he was starting to fall all like his phone flew out of his hand, all this stuff. Um, And he eventually like came to and like was really confused and all this stuff. Um, but you you kind of connect with people because of things like that. So yes, I I see how it creates a community. Uh, but I think it would be weird if the subway just showed up out of nowhere, like like it did in Night Vale, <laughs> instead of like because usually like in real life it's months and months of like them fixing something, changing something, building something, digging here, digging there. Yeah, track construction uh, is a pain in the ass as most of you know, who uh, live in a city that has a subway or train system, but we're all in it together, right? Yep. That's right. For Hal, who lives in LA, who sits in his car. That's right. I <laughs> sit in my car and I listen to podcasts and radio. Are, do you only listen to the podcasts you're on? I, I would. never listen to the podcasts I'm on. I, I exclusively <laughs> do not listen to those. You're like, I said what I said and that's it. Yeah. I listen to uh, Cocaine and Rhinestones over and over again right now. That's the podcast I'm obsessed with. Oh, nice. Yeah. I don't know that one. I See, I am the, I listen to myself only. <laughs> I listen to the show. I mean, I have to just to make sure that all the editing comes together and the mixing sounds good and also we, that we don't say anything to crackers. Yeah. Because yeah. sometimes we say some cracker shit. We do. we do. It's not for all of you to hear. 
We're 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 crackers sorts of people. Yeah, maybe some of that will wind up on Patreon someday. Who knows? You'll only find out if you become a patron. Let's put a, I yes. put buzz marketing in the middle of the episode. That's right. I did it. I did it. Sorry. Sorry that wasn't an ad free moment. I gotta eat <laughs> specifically chicken wings. <laughs> How I have no idea. All the chicken wing places will be closed by the time we're done. I have a tip about chicken wings that I got from a food podcast that I listened to is that you're supposed to get them extra well done and then sauce on the side, and that makes them crispier. Huh. I like them less okay. crispy. I get them baked yeah. at a place, and they're kind of like juicy, and I like that. But I do like the sauce on the side. I want, I want to control the sauciness of my wings. I don't want you pushing your sauce on me, sauce person. I don't know. I like a little bit of both. I like a crispness, like a crunch to it. But then, uh, and obviously the meat should be tender and juicy. But then I also enjoy the sauciness of it. Mm. So that's why I like to make mine super crisp and then toss them in the the sauce after. Mm. They've already been fully crisped. So you, you're not like baking it all the way in, you know, because that makes it like you lose the crispness then. Yeah, my way's definitely the bad way, but I'm also the person who lets cereal sit in milk until it's mush, and then I eat it, oh. and then I drink the mush. Oh, no. I do it. I do it. Go ahead, judge all you want. I'm never going to change. I love it. I love who I am when I am eating cereal. It's the one time I'm 100% confident in myself. Like, yeah, this Frosted Flake's about to turn to mud, and then it's going right in right in my mouth hole and down into my tongue. Rum tum. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. First I'm repulsed by that. But then I remember that there's this thing that I used to love growing up that my dad would make. And it would be you take a sleeve of graham crackers and you and you like put the stack them up. So you've got like a stack of you break them in half and then stack them up and then you crush them and then you cover them in milk and then you let all of the milk seep into the graham cracker and then you stir it up and it becomes like a a pudding that's just like graham cracker and cold milk and it's soft and sometimes it's a little like there's pieces that are still a little crunchy but it is damn delicious what that's do you right. you just eat it like that yep the culinary delights of jack bash winner go to trader huh. joe's and get those chocolate chip dunkaroos shove a bunch of those into a mug crush it up until the you can't get it anymore they're like a it's like a stick a chocolate chip cookie stick like a crispy chocolate chip cookie stick like a chips ahoy but okay. like Stick. Oh, okay. You put it in a mug, and then you put milk in the mug, and you let that get all sludgy. Then you eat it with a spoon, and then you drink what's left. And if you if you listen to this podcast judging me, shame on you. That's what I say. Shame on you. <laughs> you probably haven't even shame tried it. Shame on you, it. Dunkaroo. Yeah. Do we listen to your podcast and then and then talk talk bad about what you like to eat? No, we don't. <laughs> no. Yeah. We're not going to do that. No. We're not going to yuck on your yum. I am definitely not going to listen to your podcast. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to listen to your podcast because I'm not on it. <laughs> yeah, Symphony on your podcast if you want her to hear it. <laughs> you know what I realized? There might be people who are on a subway right now listening to this. Oh, hi. You're going to get to your destination, baby. Don't worry about it. Don't get frustrated. That train's never going to come. It's never going to come. Just don't make eye contact with anyone. It's a challenge. Yeah. No, you're going to be on that platform forever. You might think that the train's going to come because, like, it probably should, but it won't. Actually, my favorite thing to do um, it to create community on a on a subway is to 
like if somebody's being weird on the train or something like is happening, you find one person that you like kind of lock eyes with for a second and then you're both like roll your eyes and you're like, <laughs> we're both annoyed by this. Have you ever had that? I love that. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's my freaking favorite. Or you're like, ooh, that person stinks. And like, you're both looking at each other and you're like, oh, P.U. And then you're like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> we both sit in judgment. One of my favorite pastimes to watch is like when there's that subway car that something very bad has happened in. Um, like there's a poop incident, bodily, bodily fluid perchance. Yep. Uh, or a person who uh, is maybe differently homed um, and there's an odor um, and you, uh, you walk into that car and then you just immediately turn around and get into the next car. And then yeah. you watch <laughs> everyone else do the same thing because everyone's like, yeah. oh, cool. Free, free subway. Oh no. There's always <laughs> a reason. There's always a reason that car is empty, but you, you got to try every time. And then you get to, Watch watch the others make the same mistake as you. Yeah, the worst is when you get on and the doors close behind you before you realize that it's <laughs> the poop car. And you're like, God damn. And then we're like banging on the windows. You're like, no. I just got on the S train. Oh. <laughs> on the brown like, line? Yeah, on the brown oh, line. <laughs> literally. <laughs> literally. Um, it, I feel every time that happens, I feel like it's the end of like a Freddy Krueger movie. You know, because it's always like if the realization is too late and then it's like, ah, and then you hear like, (laughs) have fun in the shit car, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm going to need to take that little bit of audio and just turn that into my text notification. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Enjoy the shit car, bitch. Oh, hold on. That's grandma. Let me see what she wants. I almost peed just then. That um, was good. Anyway, Woo. this is a crazy subway that Cecil's on for years. Yeah. Oh yeah, and uh, and the uh, he doesn't. It, our time is different than so. Obviously, once you go into the subway, you know time is totally weird and different. Because it's hell. Whoa. It's like those dreams, right? The dreams where you you feel like you've been asleep or in the dream for years, and then you wake up and it's been like not years. It happens mm-hmm. to me sometimes. Yeah. Happened to me a lot more when I was a heavy marijuana user, but uh, it happens to me <laughs> less now. But yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I always I thought of it more like you're in a black like you know when you get closer to a black hole, like time distorts. I don't know when I get closer to a black hole. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Stargate SG One so lately, so that's where my brain is going today. But yeah, it's like time warps, like when you get close to a black hole. So um, what we perceive as like, it could be like 15 minutes or something like that could be like three years in their time. So maybe the subway is a black hole. Is that why they have to do the time warp again? Because the time gets weird. They got to keep repeating it. Wow. What's in the time warp again? Just a question. Well, I was working down the street. Just have all the plans. And I got one cash. We are different. Okay. Anyways, that's my nerdy Rocky Horror past right there. There it is. Sure is. Stay right there. Good Morning Night Vale will return after a brief break. (laughs) 
you have trouble getting the sleepies like I do, having a good night's sleep, like a full night's sleep, let me introduce you to Feels, which is the premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. If you're like me and you have trouble, if you have stress, if you have anxiety, pain, or sleeplessness, then you just put a few drops of Feels under your tongue and you'll feel the difference within minutes. And if you're like me and you are new to CBD like I was, they offer a free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience. Feels has me feeling my best every day and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash goodmorning and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash goodmorning to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash goodmorning. That's the sound of me smelling my own armpit because I smell like a coconut vanilla cookie. And I smell like that because of native deodorant. Good Morning Night Vale is very pleased to be able to offer you 20% off of your first purchase of native deodorant by going to nativedeodorant.com and entering promo code GOODMORNING at checkout. I find myself very lucky to live in a time in history when deodorant exists. Think about how bad George Washington must have smelled and be grateful that you don't have to go anywhere near that. I don't want you to be stinky. I want you to smell great. And I want you to do that without endangering your body with harsh chemicals. Native deodorant can do that for you. Their products are naturally formulated and aluminum free. So you're not gonna be slowly poisoned by your own armpits. You're gonna have to find another way to die. And while you're finding that other way to die, you will smell great with a naturally derived deodorant that actually works. Native deodorant is not tested on animals, so no narwhals, which are real, will be injured for you to smell awesome. Visit nativedeodorant.com, use promo code GOODMORNING, and don't smell like George Washington. Up next, we hear from fans and friends of the podcast about their theories, comments, and questions. But first, a conversation about this episode's weather, which is Poor in Love by Destroyer. I like the name of the band, Destroyer. It does, I, I, when I read that, I initially thought, I was like, ooh, this is going to be like metal, like <laughs> death metal. Yeah, right. Because Destroyer sounds like Destroyer, yeah. right? But- but it ends up sounding more like uh, a independent U uh, two to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's what the the vibe that they're going for. It's Dan Bejar, who's Canadian, and uh, this band's been around for a bit in many different iterations. It's had a that Dan Bejar is the frontman and leader of the band, and there's been different versions of that band, and they've been around for a while, and that is where my Googling led me. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's a good piece of music. I like it. I like it. I felt like it worked well with this episode. This episode's very poetic because it, yeah. it fits, it fits a, Russell Swenson is a poet, and then also Jeffrey's a, a poet, and I feel like the two of them were you know the heavy hitters in the writing of this episode, so it did feel like with all the poetic language that we were getting, it felt fitting. Yeah, and it actually made me th- – I. I was listening to the song, but I got so stuck on the title, Poor in Love. And I'm like thinking about like, what does that mean to be poor in love? Um, Does that, I was like, does that mean like you're, you have a poor time? Like, 
you don't have much love or the the love that you do have is not great. Because I guess, it, you know, what would be the absolute rich, you'd be rich in love. It's like, okay, it's like fulfilling and wonderful and uh, you have lots of it. So maybe poor in love would be like you're lacking uh, that. And it kind of bummed me out thinking about it because that's where I, that's where I personally am. Would you say it destroyed you? Wow, Meg. <coughs> you're on fire. The answer is yes. I've been destroyed. Cool. Not cool that you've been destroyed. Never cool that you've been destroyed. Never. But cool that we've gotten to the end of the weather section. Yeah. You know what that means. It's time to step into the fan zone. Fan zone. Fan zone. Today in the fan zone, we have Caroline who writes, Hi, cast of Good Morning Night Vale. Hi, Caroline. I think it's Carolyn. I think it is Carolyn. Yeah. There's no I-N-E. Damn it. Carolyn. Carolyn. Sweet Carolyn. You're the reason for the word, bitch. Just playing. Okay. (laughs) Pulling up some old school jams. Um, So uh, Carolyn writes, hi, cast of Good Morning Night Vale. Hi, Carolyn. A couple of years ago, I had a theory that the man in the tan jacket was a fallen angel named Erica that he wrote the poem on the dark dog park in poetry week. And that in episode 29 subway, he wanted to use the subway to get back home to hell. Thanks for the great show. Carolyn. Wow. Because honestly, now that Hal said the whole thing about hell, I'm, uh, this is blowing my little tiny mind here. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe he is, he could be, I mean, maybe that's why people don't remember him. Uh, as well, but did, wait. So he went back to. He wanted to get home back to hell. I guess they're called angels. No, they're demons, right? Or, or could they be? Well, I guess Lucifer was a fallen angel. He's a fallen right? angel. A hell's yeah. angel. Yeah, he's in a biker gang. And again, if it's if this is a uh, like sort of a way station or a, a, a purgatory kind of place or like a, a no person's land, then it's conceivable that a, that an angel could pass through. To either get back to it could be they could be a demon going to hell or an angel going to heaven. Hmm. Lots to think about, Carolyn. Lots to think about. Yeah. All right. Jonah writes to us. Jonah Fink here. Before we start, <laughs> I'd like to say, yeah. Before we start, I'd like to say I have nothing to do with Joseph Fink. That's how you spell his <laughs> name, right? Yes, it is. You spelled it right. And that my family found Nightvale because of my name. Oh wow. Huh. Cool. In the episode Subway. I find it funny that Night Vale is so okay with the subway appearing at random, seeing that they are so opposed to the idea of outside sources interfering with their little town. Also, I love how their brand is distributed via roaches. Later on, though, we learn the importance of these strained mass figures, their insects and trains. Excited to continue listening from Jonah. Well, thank you, Jonah. Thanks for being a think out there, although you do spell it differently. You're a CK. I'm told that it means uh, finch. So it's like a bird. And I don't know if you're Jewish, but I'm also told that um, Jewish people were given their names after things that were found in the Garden of Eden, which is why people have like lots of green and bird and stuff like that in their names. So Fink is Finch, I guess. So it's a little nod to the Garden of Eden. Well, there you have it. In the Garden of Eden, baby. Good one. Thanks, Jonah. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Jonah. Now, I want to throw something special in this one because later on it says uh, it had me grinding me teeth. 
which could be a typo for my, but I, I am taking this that uh, Avis is Cockney, so that's how I'm going to read this letter. Greetings, Symphony Alan Meg. In listening, your initial reactions to hearing Goshek's meow in a faceless old woman episode was very much the complete opposite of my first experience of it. I have issues with experiencing certain audio frequencies and moments, like the meow, causes me various levels of pain. The audio fuzz from Cecil's interview with the hooded figure in the studio had me grinding me teeth. Koshek's meow felt like a pretty extreme headache and so many others. And yet, even with causing me so much pain, I spent so long where it was the background audio for my life and has really become my core to my entire life. At one point, I really want to go through and document all the sounds and my different experiences of them. But I always get distracted by getting sucked back into the narrative every single time. Thank you for all your truly wonderful work and for sharing the new perspectives of the episodes. Also, the worst feeling I've ever experienced because of Night Vale has to be the sound in the man in the tan jacket makes. Has to, <laughs> damn it. Has to be the sound the man in the tan jacket makes in episode 63. There is no part one, part two. I still clearly remember feeling that vibrating in my chest the first time I listened. That one messed me up good. <laughs> Stay weird, Art. Avis Kayside. Well, geez, Avis. <laughs> I actually would be very interested to, to see a log of what sounds affect you how. I don't know if it's a misophonia or something else that creates specific levels of discomfort. I'm sorry you feel them, but I'm glad that the show brings you enough joy to offset that. It reminds me of the feelings delivery, where it's like you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. So it's like you kind of have the – Avis has the experience of the feelings deliver, delivery service with the random feelings being delivered to your body. Yes. Except it's audio that does it. <laughs> that's it. That's crazy. Yeah, I've never even heard of that before. But, like, that's got to be really intense when you're like, oh, I really enjoyed this thing, but this is actually causing me a lot of pain. <laughs> uh, but thanks for thanks for continuing to listen, friend. You try vaping your feelings. <laughs> and Hal, thanks for reading it like that because I was just like, my mouth was agape. That was wonderful. Oh, I'm glad glad to have done it. My entire life. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Next in the cow zone, we have Christina. Christina writes, to Meg Bash winners, Symphony Sanders, Hal Lublin, and everyone involved in making Night Vale. Well, thanks for using our full Christian names, friend. Yes. Uh, our Our government names. I started listening to Welcome to Night Vale during my gap year between undergraduate and graduate school. At the time, I was delivering pizzas, mm, pizza, which was a frustrating, tiresome, and boring job. I had a lot of lonely nights driving around and delivering food to ungrateful customers, oh, and far too much time for ruminating. Welcome to Night Vale helped make the job a little less lonely and brought a smile to my face, even when the customers were being jerks. Thank you for making Welcome to Night Vale and Good Morning Night Vale. The show meant a lot to me then and now, and getting to revisit some of the good memories from that year is wonderful. Now I'm working at a museum. Oh, nice. Mm. And getting my master's degree in library and information studies. Ah! What? what? Yeah. And wearing my I Survived the Summer Reading Program uh, to Classes with Pride. I love the character of Tamika Flynn. Oh, me too. Symphony Sanders' performance. Oh, and the librarians more than ever. 
the idea of the library as a dangerous place and librarians as horrifying monsters surprised and delighted me from the start. And the Night Vale versions of famous literary works always make me laugh. Me too. Fun fact. Did you know that at the 1906 American Library Association Conference, Charles Fletcher Loomis, Lummis, Loomis, I don't know how that's pronounced, but I'm going to guess, <laughs> then head librarian of the Los Angeles Public Library, founded a group called the Biblio Smiles, <laughs> a rally of librarians who are nevertheless human. Read more here at this. And they dropped a link, which is nice. Uh, it makes me think of a group that Nightvale librarians would start in order to try to convince the town that they are not really that dangerous and that visit um, that visits to the library can be safe and fun. But it's probably just a trick to lure the unsuspecting to their doom. Thank you again for all you do. Christina, future nightmare creature that stalks through the stacks. Yes! <laughs> oh, Christina, you're so wonderful. And honestly, I love meeting all sorts of librarians uh, any t who tend to be fans of the show, which is wonderful. Because you guys are always so interesting and fun, and you have a great sense of humor uh, about us thinking that you guys are monsters. And <laughs> Charles Fletcher Lummis, or Loomis, I like that name, the Biblio Smiles. Or yeah. Bibliosmiles. It feels very <laughs> Desert Bluffs. Bibliosmiles. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we love our library scientists. There's a, the correlation, yeah, like the Venn diagram between library scientists and Nightfell fans is a circle. Like, they're, it's, <laughs> it's pretty active. Um, uh, in this episode, we talk about the libraries burned down frequently and that the, they're holding press conferences in front of the burned out library. So <laughs> I hope that the libraries that you work in don't have to be continually burned down. <laughs> But they didn't talk about like how it gets like it just reappears and then it I burns think it's down. The librarians again. are like furiously putting it back together so that they can have a place to to do their murders. Uh, immediately <laughs> though, when you just said that, I was imagining them um, building it kind of like um, a spider does. It's just like the arms are moving and like it's just like reconstructing it like through whatever's coming out of their mouth, which sounds which makes me think of all sorts of gross things. So. Well, there, there's Christina, future nightmare creator, starting starting now. I love it. Thanks, Christina. And thank you, everyone, for joining us today on Good Morning Night Fail. Next week, we will be talking about episode 30, Dana. But until then, as always, good morning, Night Vale. Good morning. Morning Night Vale is a Night Vale Presents production. It is hosted by Symphony Sanders, Hal Lublin, and Meg Bashwinner. It is edited by Grant Stewart. It is mixed by Vincent Cascione. It is produced by Meg Bashwinner. Theme music by Disparition. Special thanks to our fans who submitted their thoughts this week. Leave us a voicemail at 929-277-2050 or email us at info at goodmorningnightvale.com to share your theories and ask questions or to make an early prediction about whether groundhogs are real. This show is powered by our patrons like Q Fortier, Daniel Atunez, Paul Waper, Ben Sharon, and M. 
If you're interested in supporting the show in exchange for lots of fun, exclusive, insider, hyper-cool kid content, like having your name mispronounced in our credits, check us out at patreon.com slash goodmorningnightvale. For more information on this show, go to goodmorningnightvale.com and follow us on Facebook and on Twitter at Nightvale Chat. Special thanks to Christy Gressman, Jeffrey Craner, Joseph Fink, and Adam Cecil. Today's adverb is celebratorily. In honor of Hal Lublin's birthday, please celebratorily enjoy an entire pie in a shower or bath. High above Paris, near the very top of the Eiffel Tower, here an all-new adventure featuring this janitor. I can come? These stagehands. Jack! Letitia! And this drunken, out-of-control diva. Flattery will get you nowhere except my dressing room. The Orbiting Human Circus in Naughty Till New Year's. Listen now from WNYC Studios and Night Vale Presents.